0: Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Renee. This is Hope in Crisis, a new podcast series about rights and democracy and how technology can enable or disable it.
1: Listen to Hope in Crisis on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. So we have a very special guest today. He uh, worked at the KMT's Youth League. Um, Maybe I should give our audience some heads up. So KMT is one of the two major political parties in Taiwan. And in my perspective, it's more pro-China. So it's more friendly to China. Are you excited to talk to this guy?
0: I think it's cool because, of course, most of the people around us are not (laughs) pro-China or not pro-KMT. So I always like to get the other perspective. Uh And I hope we can learn a lot from him.
1: Yeah, I like to do this for the sake of diversity.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm pretty proud of myself today. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to asking him sort of why would somebody that's the youth want to join the more conservative, more traditional party? Mm-hmm. What did he hope to learn from it? What did he hope to change about it? And also, I think it would be neat to understand how he sees the mainland China right now and the role of mainland China in Taiwan.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, and how as a young person can um, lead changes or facilitate changes?
0: Yeah, he's part of the youth league, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we should ask him about Mm
1: -hmm. what was that like. Okay, let's welcome him. Great. Okay, so um, first of all, I'd like to welcome Alfred to our show, Hoping Crisis.
2: Thank you, it's my pleasure to be here. Hello, guys. Alfred, it's great to meet you nice to meet you too can Uh, we start with like your own story so wow that's a long story i'm trying to make a long story short because i make a
0: short story long is good too (laughs) we have time
2: okay okay i'm trying to do this in a Backward style. Uh, last year I just uh, finished my um uh, master degree in New York University, majoring in international relations. And the reason why I came I go I went there is that because before that I was working in uh, government and political party, uh Down, Chinese Nationalist Party. Uh, uh during the there's still a rule, still a ruling party. Uh, I service as a, uh KNT uh youth league chief and uh, spokesman's help uh ad uh for president. Yeah and uh, uh, speech writers one of his personal speech writers so uh that's a awesome experience for young people uh, less than twenty six years old and what you wrote tonight will become the world count out president's mouth tomorrow morning. Yeah that's quite what awesome. did that feel like? Uh, I you like you you really have a ability to make world move to make to change this world yeah mm-hmm. even the salary is poor <laughs> <laughs> yeah what
1: what did you write about what was the most exciting that you ever wrote about
2: oh wow uh just like Daily, daily squad, daily uh, speech squad. Every uh, person schedule, he's meeting uh, some group of charity, uh, student, or military camp. So, uh, different schedule, different issue, different areas you have to prepare, uh, different speech from. It's like, I think I like a uh, factory in the, the end of the line because before the line, there's uh, many different departments in government, economy uh, internal affair or something like that. And they will put the uh, basic element, uh, ingredient to me and, and the final shaft to make it something. Uh, un- you would get all technical. of these raw materials yeah. and you had yeah. to mix
0: it into something that yeah, something people thought tasted good. Right.
2: Yeah. Something what, like that.
0: what was like, can you walk us through that process a bit? Like, what would you be thinking about? Like, like what, like, like how would you combine that stuff? Like what, what style chef were you?
2: Well, I'm trying to be, actually per, for person personally, I'm uh, idealistic people, but in the particle business, in this circle you must be really uh, realistic. Yeah, you must feel reality and you must reflect the reality into uh, your work. So you cannot say something uh, fantasy, you must, Take responsibility to every word because every word counts. Yeah, so I think from the beginning it's a little tough for me, but in, uh, after all, I think I'm a good speechwriter. So anyone want to hire me? Here's <laughs> here's open.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: she's the translator. You're the speechwriter. Yeah. <laughs> <be an> <laughs> well, I really admire the translator, especially uh, those people from the uh, MoFA, yeah, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Uh-huh. They are awesome. Uh-huh. They are awesome.
0: W- would, were you involved with that?
1: Yeah. Oh. Like 13 years ago. <laughs> so 13 years ago, when I was working in the foreign ministry, we worked with um writers.
0: Oh, so yeah.
1: they produced the script in Chinese, and then overnight, we have to turn them into English or Japanese or Spanish or French or German.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm. So... I want to go a bit deeper into this. Usually, we don't like, like them. <laughs> you don't like the speechwriters <laughs>
1: because they're so slow, and then, which means that we don't have enough time to produce our <laughs> translation. So you, we, we're like um, the deadline is like really short because of.
2: Oh yeah, I, actually, <laughs> usually it's for if if there is some uh, special event, for example, you must meet uh, some ambassador or or, or an official, or envoy. yeah, envoy from japan or united states secretly uh usually we have one week before we pass our scrap to the next mm-hmm. uh, uh, schedule so i don't know who, uh, who the speechwriter you are working with but that's a pity <laughs> <laughs> so you get a week and she'd get like yeah usually three hours yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just three hours oh my yeah. god you're awesome <laughs>
1: So, yeah, um, what was the most impressive or most exciting thing that you ever wrote about?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, of course, there's so many touching moments. For example, uh, the person I met with uh, Chairman Xi in 2016, uh, I'm involving just a little.
1: So now you're going to talk about something that's very different from Han Zei, Bu Li on the political spectrum, right? Ma Ying-jeou and Xi Jinping. Yeah, they were meeting.
2: Yeah, they were uh-huh. meeting, uh,
0: but...
2: C- can, can you slow it down? So why were they meeting? What was this about? Oh, well, uh, yeah, because the Huan counties was still a ruling party. they trying to make uh, cross-strait relations peaceful, and they can have a talk, a dialogue, to keep uh, promoting the mutual understanding in a peaceful way. No war, no fighting. Uh, we can put the uh, political uh, controversy aside. For example, who is the real China? Yeah, just put it aside. Let's talk about doing business. Let's talk about uh, people want to uh, go in college in Beijing and pe- uh, many students want to learn some traditional Chinese culture in Taipei or around Taiwan. Uh, they can feel uh, a different atmosphere in Chinese, another Chinese society uh, that impede true democracy in the world Yeah, that's an amazing thing So I think actually that's the main point when President Xi and Chairman uh, Sorry, President Xi and President Ma meet even though they didn't call each other as president they just call each other mister to avoid some controversial uh, Uh. political argument Uh. but I think the meeting itself the process is meaningful Mm. Is meaningful. So, can
0: you take us through in your head when you were preparing this speech? So first off, like what what was the speech about, and what were you thinking? Like what were some of these ingredients that you thought were really good you wanted to mix in? Yeah, I still trying. Do to, you remember that
2: still to to reading a bills about funeral thing because uh, person uh, they have to attend the ceremony and I still remember uh, the people is one of the. Uh, Important historical event, survivor and their offspring. Uh, one of them, so person have to go. And uh, actually, that's just like a daily and normal schedule, nothing special. But Huan uh, wrote every single page uh, of the funeral speech. I trying to search these people's life, mm. the whole footprint of these men over decades what he did and what he done to Taiwan, to this land and I'm trying to make and shorten uh, his life in just one page mm. and uh, after that day, uh, next to the funeral, I got a call from uh, those men's family and she said, uh, thanks so much, very very deep and very much to uh, for what I did to Promote uh, those people's life uh, from president's mouth, and they feel so honored. Actually, there's one thing uh, important and impressive in my uh, working working time during the president uh, office It's not that kind of thing compared to president Xi'an mass meeting historical. It's just a daily people's funeral. But actually, I think the the later. Uh, it's for me personally is more important than something historical thing because it is daily matter it's yeah. people's daily life, yeah, they touch me that's awesome, mm. yeah, that's awesome,
1: yeah, I can understand um that a president's homage is very important to normal people, like um one of my friends who's celebrating her grandma's one hundredth birthday oh wow mm. and then um she asked me if there's any way. Um, for her grandma to receive a birthday card or a birthday wish from the president. And actually, there is. So there is a department in um, the presidential's office. Um, there's a website. And then you can just fill in your information. Uh, yes. uh-huh. And then the president will send you something.
2: Yeah, but usually it's not When you're over 80 years old. Huh.
1: I mean, <laughs> not everyone can do that.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I should not do this. But actually, I still kind of speaking the truth that usually not every page or a- every letter or every car name card the person will review personally. Maybe it's one of another um uh, basic label staff to write it down and put person's name on it. And the president and signs, signs it yeah. Yeah. And person even know that <laughs> things happen. Uh-huh. You know? huh. Yeah. Personal thing so maybe didn't realize those schedule or those working process. So mm-hmm. Still, that's how we run in a country.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. You said something about like ideology and reality, or you didn't use reality. You said um. Uh, realistic, right? Yeah. Can you explain a bit more about why you think like being realistic is so important? And there's too much sort of idealistic thought. Like this seems to be something that's very important to you.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to involve uh, this philosophic topic into uh, my political career because from the beginning, uh, it just happened 10 years ago when I was 20. It's the first time joining KNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, during the time, the President Ma is still uh, chairman of KNT and the whole atmosphere and image, public image of KNT is positive. It's young and uh, vivid. Uh, not corrupt anymore than before so there are so many young people back in that time if you ask p- people now a younger generation why do you join the knt yeah people always like that why do you join knt people ask me but put this back then to 10 or 15 years ago people doing this in the opposite way people will why do you join dpp i lose your mind because back in that time i, I know young so many younger generation don't know about that uh the PPP, DPP's imagery is represent something anti-intellectual, irrational. Um, Taiwan independence. Banking that Taiwan independence is still not a uh, comprehensive supporting things. Yeah. But so, uh, and Banking that I can't represent some regional and uh, experience with how to run a country, and we can do the peaceful relationship with mainland China. Uh, in an equal way, something like that So that's the reason why from the beginning why I was still ideastic mm. uh, to join the KNT and with a, a lot of people uh, y- younger staff uh, in last generation But uh, going when you go into the process when you uh, step into the pool I mean the particle pool uh, you will see something behind the image uh, You will still uh, start to find out uh, so many image uh, in public agenda. Oh, I won't. I won't say that it's propaganda, but uh, something behind the public image is is dirty and cruel. And uh, sometimes, oh, I have to say many times, uh, your ideals, uh, let's take idea cannot be included in that particular area. For example, uh, I still remember one of our topics about the digital wave, and uh, Seven years ago, when I was uh, still working in KT, uh, I mentioned and proposed uh, a APA project to my chief because uh, I still remember the year before that, 2012. President Obama and Democratic Party just won their re-election, and uh, one of the way they use is use the volunteer uh, apps to locate it and find who is Obama supporter mm-hmm. and potential Democratic Party's voter. So they use the apps to locate and find the, and promote the volunteer, one by one, one door by the next to knock the door and encourage them to vote. That's a very good example about how you uh, combine the virtual and real world mm-hmm. and doing the uh, online and offline integration. Yeah, I was so inspiring by that. So I write a proposal and make it to my chief, uh, my chief doesn't understand the, what's the importance about this.
1: What did you propose? What did you want to build?
2: Yeah, I so still want to build a very similar uh, project just like the Democratic did. That's app uh, you can, uh, when the when user log in, uh, we can have your data, for example, your location, your base data, how old are you, where, where you live, uh, what's your job, something like that. So we can build a model yeah, it's already more popular this time. We can build a model of who is our voter, what other looks like. Then I will know how to send the uh, different uh, political messages precisely to every voter and promote them to vote when we have an election or when we're going to promote some good candidate in the area they're living. So yeah.
1: it's basically a mobilization app. Yeah. You use it to mobilize people. What do you think about the app?
0: <laughs> so, yeah, can you talk more about, like, how does the app work? Like, how do you find these people? I actually don't even know how Obama's app worked. So if Were you can you kind of...
1: in the state? At I was time? not in the states. Oh, I mean, okay. I voted, uh-huh.
0: but definitely they're not targeting me because I'm outside the country. Oh, Yeah,
2: yeah. for example, uh, when you use Uber, yeah. how Uber can locate every car? They have a GPS or something else, right? So you mm-hmm. can use a mobile app to find out to locate it. Maybe next door, where I was uh, uh, registering the apps? Maybe the next door, oh my god, I found out my neighbor is also the boater of k and Yeah, then I will know uh, where is our uh, potential support okay, so is. So
1: eventually you didn't build the app, right? You said that your chief didn't like the idea.
2: Yeah, they okay. don't understand what the importance is, and it's not a priority for them at that time. So I feel a little disappointed. How did they do it before? Nothing. Oh, nothing.
1: Oh. Okay. Uh, does I mean, so do you know no much no about how mo-
2: the U.S. works? Like, does the U.S. like before Obama? Because uh, actually, uh, seven years ago, yeah, uh, which is still a very new idea. So I can understand why my chief back in day time, they don't understand. Uh, and even DPP had not made their own a- apps back in that time. But I still, I already have a sense of feeling that it's digital wave, it is is coming, and uh, it's gonna change the whole political uh, circle, how we send message to our voter and uh, elect- electoral technology. How these things happening? But I'm so just, seven
1: years later. Do you if you've still have the chance Do you want to build an app?
2: Oh uh, actually I already live so But I'm happy to see recently that they built out their own apps It's called Digital Party Department Yeah, Shoei Dang So I think it's better than nothing Sooner or later you're gonna be a star Even even though I think it's a little too late But it's a star So I'm happy for KNT. Mm. Yeah, seven years later Of finally you got something mm. Yeah.
1: So, if you want to build an app for political purposes, like mobilizing people, rally people, or inviting people to go to campaigns, um, what kind of features do you want, or what kind of safety measures or privacy protocols do you need? Do you think that should be set up? Because I'm not sure if it's a good idea for people to identify themselves as a Republican or Democrat in the United States or um, a KMT or DPP supporter on an app and then allowing neighbors to know that, hey, I'm here, you can can, uh, mobilize me.
2: Yeah, I understand what you're talking about because I see doubts in your eyes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think uh, there is a very uh, main detail to, to prevent us from damage. because of course, if, if there is uh, apps just like what you say, uh, maybe black hiker can head in the apps and know your personal data. That's a, a public topic is uh, emerging in Taiwanese society and we are talking about because uh, I think our government gonna promote a new EID next year actually, so many scholars, so many uh, professors and specialists trying to uh, collaborate to against that because they don't think right now for, ta- for Taiwan society or government we have uh, enough ability to keep us prevent us from the outside damage. If we would really build a national wild database of mm-hmm. our every everyone's banking banking account, your ID, your personal privacy something like that so I agree with you what you're talking about but when we using uh, when we use apps application uh, to doing some particle goal I think there's still some sure we don't have to we don't have to use or you have to uh, to get access or the agreement from the user but in this society ask yourself where are you Read every single line of the agreement before i do, i don't think yeah I don't think anybody people, reads these yeah, things. I don't think everybody used that, that. No. so back in uh west we can say Cam- uh we can we can see already see some bad example happen. for example Cambridge Analytic. Mm-hmm. yeah, in t- two thousand sixteen how they mani- manipulate the misinformation or disspar of disinformation, something like that, or they're trying to make some uh bubble to make people just still keeping receive the message they like, just like ads. But that's commercial. But when it gets in particle, uh, they will become, next day will be personal. Then that will be a uh, asset of damage to our personal life. Mm-hmm. I don't think, actually, uh, I'm new in this area, but actually I'm worried about the, those people talking about. So I totally agree with your concern mm. on, this, on this area, mm-hmm. on this topic. I read
0: uh, an article. Somebody on our team shared it with me today about you, and yeah, (laughs) and um, I I had to translate it, Google Translate, to understand most of it. So, what's it about? uh, Well, it was. I mean, really, just about you from so many different angles and kind of your beliefs and what you're doing. And one thing that you said was that the the seventh graders they love the internet, like the kids nowadays, the youth, are growing up with the internet. And what I was really sort of interested in talking with you more about is to understand, like, how you see sort of governing things on the internet and governing things in the physical world. And how do these connect? And, like, how much of your time is spent on thinking about, let's say, Taiwan governance versus, like, what sort of things in Taiwan can be helpful to internet governance?
1: Yeah, I I need to translate a little bit. By seventh grader, it yeah. means that people are people born in the nineteen eighties. Yes, millennials, right? Yeah. Like really young. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean okay, oh. so definitely Google Translate.
1: Yeah, barfs. just thinking about which category that I fall into. So yes, millennials. Oh, right.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. That's the one of the most important things I noticed this year because uh, for example, back to election. Uh, do you remember? Do you guys still remember the last year presidential election in Taiwan? Uh, actually, uh, sp- spill out our family inside because our parents maybe support candidate A, mm-hmm. and the children and our classmate uh choose the other one, and we fight, we argue, we argue about that on on that topic, and I saw so many. Uh, fighting inside family. I feel heartbroken, and I don't know. After that, are we still healing? Uh, those wounds right now. I'm not sure. But I noticed one thing. Uh, usually we use this term generation. We mean maybe parent, and between their children. So that's about maybe twenty years to thirty years. But after Taiwan relieved the martial law. 33 or 4 years ago, I noticed that the speed this speed has been going faster than before especially when we get into the uh, cyber society or we just start using internet 2007, Facebook get online in Taiwan and uh, 2012, everyone got iPhone mobile, mobile, mobile access to internet that changed our perception, our point of view to the reality, because so-called information warfare, if we didn't get information, how, how, how the world how the begins, how those people can attack us. So I noticed these things happen. Uh, back then, I would say the last generation, or the generation before is my parent, but right now I'm 13 years old. But the people younger than me, five years old, and younger than me, 10 years old, every five years, Already become a degree The people mm-hmm. still in college right now Starting college right now And the people who start in graduate school Or just uh, go out of society And starting their first work And me We are three different creatures
0: Like three different generations You yes. feel Yes uh-huh.
2: We are three different generations What does that mean? Like what's the implication of that? Because I think the One of the most important factor Is the time And uh, timing when we first time to touch enter the internet world yeah when i was young i still remember uh yeah i like play online game in 2000 there's a very popular online game in taiwan more than four million people play that yeah from your boss from the uh restaurant chef everyone played that it's calling it okay yeah i don't know did you play that
1: no, yeah. no. Oh, you're,
2: you're not our <laughs> generation. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, uh,
1: I'm afraid not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was 10 years, 10 years old, it's first time a PC. That's a PC game era. And uh, where I grow going to college, it's a mobile, uh, mobile access era. Yeah, you use iPhone or the um, Android, something like that. But the people younger than me, 10 years old, uh, when they was 10 or even younger they already got iPhone, they already got iPay. The stu- younger students in elementary school right now, they use iPay and iPay instead of textbook. So our perception, when we grow up, our how our perception to the reality and this world was being cultivated in a very different form and very different way. It's not just about content, it's the way h- you how to know this world. So I realized that people younger than me 10 years Actually, even we have some similar background. For example, I come from Taoyuan. I live in Taipei more than 10 years. Uh, I, I like this. I like not. But uh, when these people, even though they have some similar background element with me, but I still can feel the difference about the perception and how we are perceived and uh, interact with this world. Is it, I don't know how to use. The so language described. That thing. Okay,
1: so, um, from your perspective, um, right now people fall into different generations, uh, mostly because of age and because how much exposure, um, they have.
2: I think they are related.
1: Right, yeah. right. And how does that impact, um, or how does that affect communication or political communication?
2: Okay, good. I, I think you mentioned a very good point, because uh, right now we can see the ruling party, uh, TPP and uh, uh, the KNT right now already lose the, the government, right? Uh, one of the biggest inch, uh, reason why uh, KNT lose young generation support is that they don't know the people from international period or era, what they think. Yeah, their, their sense of humor or the form of humor or what they care about is totally different from the last generation. Can you give some examples? Okay. Uh in my generation, for example, uh when I was in KNT Youth League as a chief, uh we are the first group uh in KNT, public announced we support same sex marriage and some progressive value, but we still get attacked from inside party until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually this this week's news. Yeah, the new chief of KNT usually announced They're gonna uh, use party's name to join the parade This weekend Uh,
1: Okay, I think um, I need to fit in some background information here So Taiwan has the largest gay parade in Asia If not in the world, I think So every year we have this Pride Uh Um, It's a parade for gay rights And and, uh, KMT has uh, usually
2: standing on the other side.
1: Right, right. And then um, KMT has been afraid of criticism about joining the Pride. But this week, I think it's this morning, right? Um, the chief of KMT announced that this year they are going to partake in Pride.
2: Uh, sorry, not chairman of KMT. It's KMT Youth League.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, the right. youth the y- is... Y- right. youth so, so, young so the people youth
0: support it, but the previous generation still don't support it.
2: Yeah they're afraid to take a public announcement because actually for now uh, the support front of KNT already reducing and reducing back to a more conservative and elder Mm -hmm. uh, people so back in their generation they don't think same sex marriage is something they can support and actually on this issue for the same sex marriage is also not priority of KNT's public issue agenda so so many people inside the KMT, they don't think we have to do something about this. Anyway, young people, young, young generation already support DPP, let them go. We just keep our, keep our so ground So do you here. think
1: digging in pride is just a way to attract young people? Or do you, do you so um, what does KMT Youth League think about same-sex marriage? And what does the Youth League think about human rights or basic human rights. For example, marriage or raising kids, um, being a parent, and so on.
2: Yeah, because actually why the reason why k usually usually extend out and join uh, the parish is because they share the same uh, value uh, with this generation, except they support K&T or they may have uh, very different opinions for many uh, other public issues. But on this one, for the basic human right, for the same-sex marriage, the as far as I know, the most uh members of County Youth like, are support this. Yeah, and actually, for many years, from start maybe from me, uh, seven years ago, uh six or seven years ago, we joined the parade every year. Mm. Actually, it's not something new. We are trying to ach- attract the young people support. Did,
1: um. So, did you join the parade individually, or did you join the parade as? KMT Youth League.
2: Actually back my year uh it's officially legally is individually, but I still holding the flag of KMT. Oh, yeah in okay. the parrot. And yeah, it's a tradition of KMT Youth League. Every year actually, whether or not the center or high level official of KMT support or not, we just we just go and join. Yeah. So it's our own tradition. We are we belong to this younger generation.
0: Yeah. Can you explain
2: a bit about like what is a youth league and how does it work like how do you organize okay uh it was founded in 2005 i think by the former chairman mind joe and he wanted to create a group from from my point of view it's kind of experiment lab to attract some new thoughts and new people to join the knt to reform and change the knt in a long-term way so i think it's a quite successful because back in the time, uh, we do so many uh, different public issues, uh, environment uh, protection and uh, arguing democracy and uh, protecting aboriginal land, and women's rights and sex marriage, and uh, some f- foreign policy in Africa. If you cover the logo of KNT, just see the poster right away, you will say, well, this may be some, Gross Foundation. This ag- event is not nothing to do with Kenti, but actually that's what we did in KNT. So back in that time, uh, back to the topic I start uh, in the this beginning, why we joined the K&T is that because Kenti back in that time they represent some part of our ideal last takeaway, So achieve young people, we truly believe when we join Kenti, we can reform Kenti and we can. Uh, Make our society and country better by that way. But it's that uh, we, we failed, but it's complicated. It's, it's mm-hmm. so many other outside factor, environment, to cause all this, but uh, can't use the like, tradition and those people still there. Many people live, but Still, many people stay and trying to change and reform KT. I still remember there's one topic in the outline. You asked me uh, if there is a party, political party, who stand for RLC and also support some progressive uh, value, for, for example, same-sex marriage, labor right. Whether I leave KNT and join that party, uh, actually back back in that time, uh, we group of uh, political staff in KNT, we had make a joke: if Warren uh, cross-tree relation with the national identity, actually, we should go to social democratic party. That one finally left Because for the foreign policy or national identity, we are a little central right wing. Yeah, this is the reason why we support our CEO during k But back to internal affairs for some public issue, especially with human rights, we are actually central left wing. This is also very unique in Taiwan society, because back in, for example, UK or US, the whole political spectrum, uh, as you mentioned, is judged by the left wing or right wing, but in Taiwan, we judge it by whether you are pro-unification or pro-Taiwan independence, so it's complicated.
0: Well, I'd like to dig in this with you a bit. So, my family is very democrat like super super strong democrat for generations and i always struggle with it because like when i look at the two parties in america and the issues that they support to me it feels quite random like i can find things that i agree with and disagree with on both sides it's very random to me like i don't actually understand where these parties like how do people decide on what are the priorities? Like to me, it's like, like, personally, I find myself being very uh, socially liberal. And like when it comes to economic or finance, I'm very conservative, right? And this, I mean, this, this, so the left and the right in America, it doesn't fulfill my needs either. And I mean, it sounds like you're saying that, that, very
2: similar situation. similar situation right yeah actually i ha- I had a talk with my friend uh who lived in United States when mm-hmm. he was still was a kid, and uh, we talked about th- this year's uh, presidential election of United States, and we both both of us agree if we were Americans, we will move to Texas and being a republican <laughs> 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 because i support gang right uh-huh. I support the second amendment uh-huh. i I admire the funding the the original national funding spirit of that. So I think, actually, that's so, uh, I don't know, I don't know, that is so inside paradise because when I was living in New York, yeah, well, we, we both went there before, and uh, in California, yeah, I feel super comfortable. People are friendly and we can, public support or not support anything and nobody banned you, yeah. So I know the traditional image or some stereotype about Republican and or Democrat, but I think in reality it's complicated. I still actually there's one thing very interesting. Uh I for until now I didn't <laughs> I didn't dare to <laughs> say something about I support President Trump in the in the chat box on the WhatsApp with my NYU cast because they're all super supporting Biden. Yeah, but I cannot uh, explain then why I don't I like Trump for per for person but I support his policy I support his national security team because and also because I'm Taiwanese so I just care about their foreign policy I don't care maybe maybe less not not, not at all uh, to support a republican but I also uh, have that image that talk with my my friend if we were American I think we are actually gentle or not that conservative Republican we will support some policy or an issue on um, Democrat way but basically I guess we will be Republicans yeah so that's complicated when you trying to pirate and uh, align with some yeah. issue or policy there's not black or white there's not bipolar things yeah people are complicated so I really uh, know about the uh, recently some argument attack Uh on the internet, the people uh, have different opinion with you and you're trying to get some medicine to, to uh, grabbing some attack on the internet. I, I don't think that's democracy. I, I feel shame about that. When we're trying to say something, Taiwan is the best democracy example in Asia, even in the world, but inside our society, those things still happen. Yeah, so I think we still have s- much space to make a progress on our democracy. Can we
0: go back to a moment? So you just joined the youth league of the KMT. Yeah. And what did you like about the KMT? What did you not like about it? What did you think you could change? And sort of how were you trying to change it?
2: Oh, well, that's a long story. Actually, uh, rather than I say I like KMT or I poor KMT. I I mean, mean, which parts?
0: Because like, like, I don't want it to be so binary. Yeah, right. Because, I, like, I mean, we're forced into this binary thing, but what I'm trying to get at is yeah. what were the parts of the KMT that you liked and then what were the parts that you didn't like and you felt you could change? And then what I'm most interested in okay. is like, the tools and the organizing of how you thought you
2: could change it, if you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, I think it must back to some uh, personal history because I still remember when I was three or four the first two comic historical comic book I read is "War Between Chu and Han," "Chu Han Xiang Zhen," and uh, Struggle Life Story of Chen Ki-san. Yeah, so I think the okay, so, I have no so, idea what this is. Yeah, can, so can so you, so-called <laughs> "Greater Chinese Ezen." Is These are comic so, books, you said? Yeah, it, it is a historical comic book. In Taiwan, you would read historical popular. comic books. Yeah, when like I, I was read so, three four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason why I going to historical. Department in college, yeah, I think, maybe. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> but the point is, uh, wh- back in the time, there's some kind of seed of salt already in, in plenty in my heart, and it's grown up by the, pro- oh, by, by the time. Wait a minute, so are growing. you saying
1: that you identify yourself as a Chinese person? Both Taiwanese. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
2: Culture, culturally and maybe ethnic. I'm Chinese, but I also Taiwanese because I'm born here, I raised here, I grew up here. Yeah, I chat Taiwan meeting Taiwan So for someone that's not
0: Taiwanese and yeah. not Chinese, like a white. The global guy like me,
1: audience, yeah.
0: Can you explain how this is possible? Like
1: how like, can you identify yourself both as a Chinese and a Taiwanese?
2: I don't think that's a difficult because if some people come from everywhere in the world they can say they're world citizen mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And then why can you understand I have uh, double agreement or some kind of double identity for myself? Yeah, I, I don't think that's a very difficult thing but uh, I think they're still a little different I, Let me explain that deeper because there's two kinds uh, of nationalism One is citizen uh, nationalism, one kind of ethnic nationalism. So for the ethnic part, I think I'm Chinese. I speak in Mandarin. Yeah, my father is come from China. But for the national things or legal label, I'm citizen of the Republic of China, AKA Taiwan. So when we speak of use the term Taiwanese or Chinese, actually we have to, be very clear. What is the context uh, of our turn when we use that? Because I found so many people just mix it or just uh, judge it in a very swallow way. So I must be clear. When I say Taiwan, I'm, I'm Chinese. It doesn't mean I support the PRC. Yeah, the ROC and PRC. This is another uh, another issue. Yeah. So you mean like as a person,
0: you feel Chinese? Like so
1: like culturally put, culturally yeah. he identifies with the chinese culture
0: so put aside the political stuff like the people you feel more identifiable with uh mainland chinese people like as a as an ethnicity is that what you're saying yeah interesting i mean taiwan is unique about this like like in america like we're all foreigners in america everybody came i mean there's yes there are like some Indians, like Native, Native American Indians, but
2: this is like extreme, extreme, extreme minority. Yeah. Yeah, but how, how do you define uh, who is American? We have the same issue. We have an Aboriginal here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes some Taiwanese always say we are the master of Taiwan. I always think, have you ever asked Aborigine back to 300 years ago Hun Han people, uh, immigrants? Okay, I, I can understand the, the
1: politics aside. Yeah. So he, um, if I understand correctly, okay, um, he identifies with the Chinese culture, yeah, which dates yeah, back to five thousand years ago, right? The so, Chinese history, so, right? The history, uh-huh. the stories, yeah. the writing system, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh, and yes. the reading system, yes. right? But now we put in the politics.
2: Yeah, even we go into a politics, there's still so, so many definition. Uh, we have to be very clear. When I mentioned I'm a citizen, I actually I just I just trying to say I'm a citizen of Taiwan, but uh suddenly I find out that's wrong because there's no country, sorry folks, there's no still a country there's a legal name named Taiwan. We don't have a Republic of Taiwan yet. Mm-hmm. For now, uh, even person Tai use the term that makes use now, Republic of China, Taiwan or uh I can't decide on my personal side, I would say Republic of China on Taiwan because Taiwan is a geographic name and, Repu- and the ROC is a country's name. There's still different idea and concept in different label. yeah. So when I say I'm a Taiwanese, I think uh, there's a more simple way to very quickly to explain to the, the foreign people where I come from, but if we want to go deeper to some serious particle issue circle, I was trying to de- explain that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Every time I go into a foreign abroad, when we trying to- Like at NYU? Uh, get my passport. Yeah,
0: what was that like? Like when you're in NYU talking with people? How, like, what would you say?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, back in my year 2017, yeah. there was two Taiwanese people getting to NYU IR. Uh, one is me, one is my uh, classmate who is a girl. And uh, when she introduced herself, uh, she say, "I come from Taiwan." And when the turn go on me, I say, "I come from Republic of China, A.K.A. Taiwan." And back in the same time, there's so uh, over ten classmates who come from mainland China. I'm not try to provoking or angering them, but I'm trying to make. Oh, In so how did they? How did
1: they react to your introduction?
2: Actually, so some of them are very friendly. Some of them are actually support ROC rather than PRC. Oh. That's very interesting. Yeah, because overseas Chinese, they have so many different. Opinions. Okay, can you explain that difference
0: for me? So you say they support ROC instead of PRC? Oh, like again, like dumb this down for a foreigner. What does that mean? Why is it important? Okay,
2: every time when I go to. Uh, I go aboard and in the aer- airport, I trying to explain to the uh, their staff begging Chinese civil war because they don't understand my passport. They say a Republic of China, but I have to explain to him I come from Taiwan. So I think that's one of the reasons why the government trying to change the cover of passport to make people easier to understand where we ch- Truly come from. And back to NYU, actually uh, so many overseas Chinese or the Chinese students who study overseas, uh, they have a more liberal style. They are more, I don't know how to say, higher education level. They graduate from best college or university in Tsinghua, Beida, Renmin uh, University, something like that. And actually their eyes open. Their horizon is, uh, is higher than uh, the average of Chinese people. So we can communicate and talk with each other peacefully. They understand the history. They understand the political dilemma we're facing right now. But after all, we are already here in the center of war. I mean, New York. So just put the argument aside. Let's go to karaoke. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's the way we solve the problem. By singing. Sing or yeah. Singing or drinking. Singing or drinking. Drinking more <laughs> effective than yeah anything. <laughs>
0: I learned to not try to outdrink the Chinese. Oh, uh,
2: can not you
1: ever outdrink no the Chinese? No <laughs> way. I think they're trained young. Not
2: every one of them is really of good course. at that. So just. Be brave. <laughs> so yeah.
1: you talked about how you identify with the Chinese culture and history, but you also said that it doesn't mean you support the PRC. I think it's very important because China and the PRC are different. Yeah. It, and I think that's why so many politicians right now, when they are speaking in English, they will specify yes. that, oh, I'm talking about the communist China. Yes. So um, what do you think about the fact that China has so many missiles targeting at Taiwan and then their military aircraft are like patrolling over our territorial air like almost every day. And right now, KMT, one of the political parties that you support or supported, um, is actually pretty pro-China. So what, do you, um, so what do you think about it? And what do you think our audience should think about it? Because, in fact, although China doesn't have a lot of missiles targeting, in, targeting at the United States or um, sending military aircraft to yes. patrol your um, territorial air, there are a lot of spies online and there are a lot of cyber attacks. Yes. And um, there was a news report two days ago saying that half of the Facebook surveillance team are Chinese people holding H-1B visas working in the United States so Uh while Facebook is listening to all of our conversations half of the surveillance team um, are Chinese people so um, what do you think um, Taiwanese audience should think about it and what our global audience should um, think more about it?
2: Okay, uh, for your question uh, first question uh, on military, on the missiles as an IR specialist I have to say, um, I'm not trying to convince or spare every idea, but actually, I have to say, back in old time, I also, yeah, people asking me the same question about they have a missile pointing out to uh, Taiwan, how how could you uh, to make peaceful talk with them? But actually, technically and um, militarily, I have to say, actually, the most of those missiles are not really pointing out for Taiwan. They are for some overseas targets or especially for the United States. I didn't mean they are not served Taiwan. Of course they are. Yeah, so for me personally, even I, I go, went to mainland many times, I have a connection there. Why were my fathers or my personal connection? But uh, I'm only anti-communist. I definitely fight against the CCP trying to invade or want to ruin Taiwan in the future. I'm totally 100% against that. But uh, back it so it's making it harder in a KNT position to try to to uh, promote a peaceful talk, just like the good old days. Yeah, we can shake hands and doing some business. But maybe I think actually on this point, I have a little disagreement with the higher level people in KNT because the most of them still believe we back to the 92 consensus, and we can back in good old days and we can doing business and shake hands together and we're not going to war because the war will hurt uh, Taiwan's people and Taiwan cannot defend alone blah 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 I, I believe the many of the many of you already heard those points but I think the the first element important element is the attitude change of CCP because when they have a new leadership uh, which I mean specifically is Xi, President Xi. Uh, he's trying to make it tougher and tougher than before. Back in Hu Wen, uh, Hu Jintao and Wen Jiabao's time, uh, we can have a lot space in particle circle or in the civil society. Even men in China, they have a new trend, new fashion about everything from Taiwan. It's good. Uh, we like ROC parrot in men in China. And people dress Shanghai style um, when they graduation. They like ROC. They like Taiwan so much. But uh, recently, uh, for these five years, we obviously, uh, we can sense the the attitude of change. They're trying to tougher and tougher to use uh, military power or the uh, anything, nothing but soft power to push us onto the corner. So it's making his position. Uh, very embarrassing because we don't want to fight. I, I didn't mean uh, we don't have the resolve to defend Taiwan. For me, personally, I'm a, a military officer, reserve officer. I have, If the war I have to go to the front line. Yeah, I don't afraid of that. But uh, actually, the, the highest principle of military is, is peace. Yeah, we keep the it military, it's not really to fight. Is to keep peace, yeah. yeah. However, however, I know it's more difficult than before, and we harder and harder to convince people we don't have to fight with China, especially recent situation as you just mentioned. So I think for KNT right now they're still trying to doing some talk, but I think more and more people, uh, including our new chairman, they I think finally they already find out that's useless. They're trying to turn the focus on the Taiwan civil society. They're trying to focus on more internal affair issue, just put the cross-street relation issue aside to the government. Even though now, it's their DPP is the ruling party, they have to take the responsibility. So we don't have to provoking or doing uh, something not really necessary right now, so I think Still, back to your question, back to your main point of your question, I think for a long time still, maybe in the future two to four years, I think the situation between China and U.S. and between the between the three will keep the same and harder and harder for KNT. So I'm not sure, I'm not really sure uh, which policy line the KNT will be aligned with in the future because right now, uh, they what I think is, Trump administration in the United States have agreement with the Tsai administration. So as far as I know, so many people, uh, in KNT, the hope that Biden will be get elected. So the situation between U.S., China, and Taiwan can went back to the good old day, just like a big triangle. Um, Taiwan can have much more space to get along with oh, China.
1: Okay. Um, but
2: it's not. It's gone. It's not back anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to fill in some information here. I pointed out the military threats because it's so obvious. But um, in fact, Taiwan is not only under military threat. And I think it's a good, um, it serves as a great opportunity to uh, point out to our audience or to remind our audience what Taiwan has been doing for um, world peace or <laughs> what Taiwan has been doing for protecting democracy. Um st- I have no intention in portraying the communist China as a belligerent political power or a very belligerent um regime, um, although it poses military threat. I think um the reason why I'm against Communist Party is because it violates so many universal human rights. Okay. So not only gay rights or or women's rights, but also the rights of the minorities or many different things. But the thing is, um, Taiwan is important because geographically, if Taiwan's a part of China, then without sending aircraft or aircraft carriers, China can project its military force to Guam and Hawaii. Yeah,
2: second island China.
1: Right, right. So that that is why Taiwan is so important to China as a strategic position. But also, Taiwan has so many high-tech factories and companies, and then Taiwan is so well connected with um, the financial world and the technology world. So if one day Taiwan becomes China's, then you can think about all of the technology as spillage scandals recently. Right. For example, Huawei stealing information from everywhere, and then um, Chinese employees taking um, trade secrets from the U.S. companies that they are working for. If China um, ever over um, overtakes Taiwan, then um, the world democracy will be undermined significantly. So I think it's very important for us, um, the only democracy in Asia, to tell the world how difficult it is (laughs) to safeguard these values, including democracy and human rights and technology development.
2: I can't agree with you more. But uh, uh, one little point: Uh, we are not only democracy in Asia. I think Japanese will protesting about that. Korea too, right? Yeah, I mean the the Taiwanese. Uh, Korea. I I know know your point. I know your point. Let me
1: rephrase. Uh, (laughs) uh, One of the earliest. The most interesting
2: (laughs) democracy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure Uh, you. The
1: first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. First.
2: Yeah, that's ROC. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to your main point. I think. I totally agree with you and i am sure you the topic you are talking about actually is my main concern and, and there's also the reason why I went to United States to study international relations because back in my time I worked in the presidential office I realized, uh, back in that time, uh, in the same time I was studying cross-street relations in the, the National Taiwan University and after that work, after graduation I realized the cross-street relations is not just involving Taiwan and China, it's involving the factory uh, of international situation and especially United States. So that's the reason why I went there but uh, when I went there I, I met so many uh, higher uh, officer advisor in Sintan or former government, uh, I sadly find out I don't really believe or sure that the United States have enough resolve or resource to defend Taiwan even though what you're talking about is totally true and they know it. Uh, for example, uh, 2018, uh, there is a foreign forum in CSIS and uh, Brookings, Brookings uh, in Washington, D.C. It's called Two Year Under Tsai, a review of the BP administration. And so many, uh, the all the best the Taiwanese scholars uh, in the U.S. come together and ask them one question because I just uh, Retire from the military, and I worry about because in the U.S. intent, the every day I heard about the U.S. how U.S. can define defend uh, the first island chain, especially Taiwan. But uh, uh, back in that time, I also went to China to lessen their voice. And in the Chinese intent, the topic always how do we break through the first island chain on Taiwan. So Taiwan become uh, the center of stone that Ho is i very worried about. Huh. I, I'm concerned so much. So I ask, I bring this question to those scholars, but uh, they tell me they have no answer and they're not sure. They just promised me so many people working on it to, to try to defend Taiwan. But when we're talking about the, the price they're gonna pay, actually I'm not really sure about, yeah. I'm not trying to undermine uh, so many people's effort and working hard from U.S. and all over the world to defend Taiwan. I, the point I want to say is, Taiwan cannot rely on other people's health. As President and some, uh, our uh, officer in government say, we must standing out and for ourselves and help ourselves. We cannot rely on others' health, whatever U.S. or other aliens, a- allies. So. I think Taiwan must be, Taiwanese must be realistic. We can rely on because so many people say a uh, U.S. army will come. They will help us. They they will come out here from ground from everywhere their, uh, base in East Asia. But I have to say, uh, with what I learned in United States, uh, personally, me with them, and. Uh, some theory and the information from the class and, and think tank, I would say the military power balance in East Asia between China and U.S. has been uh, already, already come to preferring toward China more and more. So also there's the reason why U.S. government so concerned. From their nas- national security report, from their White House strategy report, they all, always point out China has been uh, most important and most certain strategic competitor. They're trying to, just like what you mentioned, they're trying to project their power uh, over Taiwan to the second island chain and, and so forth. So I think Taiwan now is very dangerous. I, we, we really need to consolidate and counter cater to defend uh, Taiwan. So I think KNT must be realized that. Must be realized. Uh, the people's will in Taiwan, we don't want war, but we also uh, against and op- opposite the ruling of CCP. So we have to fight kind of third way because according to some polls, even though most of Taiwanese people don't want to fight, don't want to war and don't uh, want to be ruled by CCP in the same time, but there's an interesting thing is if the war going to happen, over 50% Taiwanese people want to Negotiate in peaceful way with mainland China. Only uh, around twenty percent they want to go to battlefield. That's also another reality. The Taiwanese and our society and also our international friend they need to know. Yeah, we cannot uh, judge our foreign policy or just uh, go to war very easily by some idealistic fantasy. For example. Uh, let Taiwan be Taiwan. Of course, I'm Taiwanese. I know Taiwan is important, and we are very proud of being Taiwanese. Always, recently, I always think uh, we have a very interesting talk with friend. If you die, if you believe people have an afterlife, and you're gonna reborn in somewhere else in this world, oh my God! You have just uh, one in two thousand of two hundred or five thousand. Anyway, very low chance to be Taiwanese again, so (laughs) cherish you being Taiwanese in this life.
0: I want to put aside the physical war for a bit and go into information and information war, information control. And is there anything that the rest of the world can learn from Taiwan on this topic?
2: Okay, I think uh, as far as many people know, I think Taiwan may be the the longest and maybe highest label uh, under information warfare attack in in the world. Because actually, according to our government report, uh, every month we got over 200, 200 to four hundred millions type attack from from the black hat hacker, and uh, surely most of them come from the other side of the street, uh, which is from in China. So. Of course, our uh, we have a circle of information uh, area circle people. They are concerned about that, and they always say, actually, we have so many good uh, information security talented in Taiwan, but uh, we don't have a comprehensive strategy for now still to to grab those people into a a framework of uh, to keep our uh, whole Taiwan society to be a highly. Uh, information security area because those people, uh, they, when they after they graduate, they did de- they cannot find a, a really good job, high salary, uh, in Taiwan because we don't have the, those kind of mature industry of inter uh, information security. So in the end, they maybe go to California or somewhere else in the world. So this first one question, but second one for the whole society, especially for civilian and normal people, I think the most important thing is is uh, media literacy, because for now, uh, especially under the uh, influence of information warfare from the uh, last year's presidential election, I think many people from Taiwan already uh, sense and realize uh, the daily news or information we receive, they are not really 100% true, but the problem is how how we can have the ability or enough time or sense to learn how to uh, distinguish than from the so-called fake news, fake fake news or some other misinformation, I think we don't have even me. I'm graduate from graduate to graduate school. I don't dare to say I have enough sense and ability to to judge whether it's true or not. So I think the media literacy and information security literacy is the highly concerned. I think whether the government or NGO, actually our NGO is doing great. For example, some, uh. Uh, NGOs uh, in Taiwanese society and the information circle, for example Gling uh, V, they' doing some yeah, yeah. yeah 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 yeah. they do some very awesome job to trying to promote for example open data or the media literacy or some other uh, things to do with inter uh, inform- information warfare, to trying to uh, promote Taiwanese people to know those mm-hmm. things much more than before but we still have a lot a long way to go i think the most emergency is that yeah the first thing is you have to sense that it, uh we are already under information warfare but actually i don't believe the most of people of taiwan already understand about this yeah
0: i hope that you know in the next 5 years that taiwan so right now the us sells weapons like physical weapons to taiwan I hope yeah. that Taiwan can sell Solutions. information weapons to the u s <laughs> so we can defend ourselves because like I think the u s media is just blowing up right now
2: i'm not sure I, I won't I won't say we have uh, weaponized things and we can sell, we can sell or provide it to the United States because basically we are anti. Uh, information warfare and trying to weaponize those uh, IT tools as a, as a tool to attack other people. So officially we won't say uh, we can provide something like that to, to defense to, yeah yeah yeah. but uh, on the defense way, I think we still have uh, so many talent and, and the way and the software to to trying to make our uh, firewall better to keep it uh, to prevent uh, Taiwan society from uh, outside worlds uh, attack on the purpose, especially, actually, uh, last week, uh, our former chief of uh, cross-street uh, committee, Mr. Zhao, Professor Zhao, they said we are already under some kind of uh, cross warfare status, zhun zhan tai. We are already under warfare because it's not about it's not about guns, it's not about missile. It's about in our computer. Yeah. We are already under that warfare. So I think most of Taiwanese people need to know that. And our government needs to raise this issue under national security label. Yeah. To promote our sense of information security. Mm-hmm.
1: Great. Thank you very much for coming to the show and sharing with us your insight. Thank
2: you. Yeah,
0: you've talked about topics that I think a lot of people are very passionate about. If somebody wanted to follow up, if
2: our listeners wanted to learn more, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Okay, uh, recently I opened a public FB page. It's called Lin Jiaxin Alfred Ling. So if you want to connect uh, with me or contact or any invitation, yeah, just go ahead uh, on the Facebook page, Lin Jiaxin Alfred Ling. Awesome, you so much, Alfred. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah.
1: Have a nice day. <laughs> Did you enjoy the talk?
0: Yeah, it wasn't what I expected it was going to be.
1: Oh, what did you expect? Well, there was a lot of history, right? There's
0: a lot of history.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I thought we were going to spend like 80% of our time talking about like information, information uh-huh. warfare. Uh-huh. And almost all the time we were talking about like physical warfare, like guns and missiles and, you know, defense and pointing things at each other. Which
1: not bad. I think that most people don't understand Uh, what Taiwan has been going through. So, um, yeah, it's different from our expectation, but I think it's a great opportunity for our audience to understand how aggressive China is on this side of the Pacific.
0: Yeah, and it was also interesting to me to try to understand how the next generation Uh is looking at politics and trying to understand how to organize differently I mean, he was trying to make this app that I guess Obama made. That was all new to me. I didn't even know Obama had this app.
1: <laughs> Would you want to use that Hell app? Hell no. No <laughs> way. Yeah, I was trying to... <laughs> <laughs> the, the These gadgets were a little bit blocking today, but I was trying to see, oh, <laughs> How you react to the app? No way. Do you want to know that your neighbors are Democrats and they're going to the next campaign? Or <laughs>
0: Like, I think, like, If I knew people's political beliefs, it would almost be like if you're sitting around the table and everybody's naked. It's like you just don't want to see that, right? Uh Like (laughs) like it would just be the weirdest, most awkward, most uncomfortable thing. I
1: don't picture people being naked. I picture them wearing a big hat. Oh. Uh, Like a blue or (laughs) a different color hat. Yeah. Yeah. But I like your idea. I like that um, in the end, you said that Taiwan should export solutions. Oh, I really think so. Uh Uh-huh. I think that's a great idea. I think we should monetize our experience.
0: (laughs) I think it's hugely valuable. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. military is selling weapons everywhere.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why
0: isn't Taiwan selling defenses for digital information warfare?
1: You know, there's a very interesting story in uh, the Chinese history, in China's history. I think it dates back to 3,000 years ago. So two sides were going into war. And on this side... Needs more weapons. They need arrows at that time to shoot their enemies. So um, at nighttime, they built boat with a lot of uh, scarecrows.
0: Scarecrows?
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you, uh, scarecrows? Yeah, 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 yeah. So fake people, yeah. dummies, yeah, on the boat. So and then their enemy thinks that oh, there are so many soldiers on the boats. Shoot them. So overnight, they collected thousands of arrows.
2: Oh, that is awesome. Free of
1: charge. That is so So cool. So this is what Taiwan should do. Absolutely. Ray, Ray, we've been attacked for so long. We should monetize this experience and expertise. Big data. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. No, I I think, I mean, in my fantasy world, Israel and Taiwan would join forces. And they would create this technology that would enable democracies to resist information, like information attacks, mm-hmm. like foreign or domestic. Okay. So right now, like the media in the U.S. is just, I mean, it's off their rails. Like things are getting attacked everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just the foreign stuff. It's also the domestic stuff. Uh-huh. But I feel like like Israel and Taiwan should get together. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this guy has a lot of courage.
1: Oh, true. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. I mean, first off, like, I, mean, I tried to do a podcast in Chinese a couple of days ago, and it was like so hard. And his English is, <laughs> is better than my Chinese. And uh-huh. my Chinese is bad, trying to talk about the complicated things. And so he spent an hour talking to us about not only complicated things, but things that the majority of the youth probably listening to this are going to disagree to. Mm-hmm. So I think he just has a lot of courage. So I, I really admire that.
1: And um, I think we should encourage that. Yeah, because he also said that he doesn't agree with the KMT all the time. So um, by upholding the d- diversity, we should encourage people to voice their different opinions. Yeah, I totally hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: this there's very few uh, conversations, dialogues where mm-hmm. you can actually engage with different perspectives, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, he's he's just a person. He's just like anybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Is there? More questions that you wanted to ask him because I had a bunch. (laughs) The translator side of me wanted to jump out like every three minutes, giving the audience more information about KMT, about the president, about um, the then president and the current president and the policies. Because I was not sure if our audience um, could understand all that.
0: There was this thread that I really wanted to pull on longer Uh and it was hard for me to get him to kind of go there Uh
1: misinformation
0: no no it's about i would say passion and extremes and about like ideology and pragmatism and being rational versus being like emotional and i feel like there's something so important to him about sort of the pragmatic rational thing of having a cross-straight relationship mm-hmm. that i mean it's your trading partner there your next door neighbor like how would you not try to have a relationship with them so there's the very like pragmatic rational side to him and i feel that that most of politics has switched entirely to this like emotional thing like people are just talking about the emotions it's mm-hmm. not uh, fake news is just whatever the other party says it's not like if it's is it true or not it's just if they say something, it's fake news. If you say something, it's truth. Right? <laughs> and so I really wanted to, like, dig into that more. Uh-huh. But it was hard. I don't—I didn't feel like he was— um, Ready? No, I don't even think he understood that, perhaps. Like, like yeah, maybe to him it's just natural.
1: Right. When you talked about it, he said it's more philosophical.
0: Yeah, I didn't understand that. <laughs> what did that mean?
1: It means that he never gave it enough time.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was reading comic books about Chinese history.
1: Yeah, at three.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even get to Batman <laughs> until probably six or seven. You know?
1: My baby is turning three at the end of the year. So I was thinking, what? <laughs> Should I give him comic books now? No, please no.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had a bunch of other questions around core beliefs. Uh-huh. So I feel that parties were established with a set of core beliefs. And these core beliefs just don't reflect the reality of the world anymore.
1: Right. Especially maybe for the KMT. It feels like it, right? Yeah, because it was established in a uh, hundred years ago. More yeah. Over a hundred years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. When um, it's Target... Was an empire.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: so the KMT was founded to establish a democracy.
0: They were trying to do a democracy, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's really interesting.
1: Uh huh. But right now, the world has changed so Do you think much.
0: that's why he's so. Like, does he really love this idea of democracy? Is that what motivates him,
1: you think? We can ask him. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot answer the question yeah. on his behalf. Yeah.
0: I also wanted to. Try to get more into his head about this meeting with
1: uh, President Ma and President right? Xi. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> I mean, he was there. Like that must have been the most
1: yeah. And they intense... didn't need a translator, so there was no way people like me could get into that conversation because they were speaking Chinese. Yeah. The, the two of them. So yeah, that was like one of the very few historical events that I didn't have access to. So <laughs> yeah.
0: And just, like, what it felt like being in that room? Uh-huh. Like, what it felt like watching those two people talk?
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh. I was trying to get him to um, talk more about it when I say, Li.
0: Yeah, what does uh, that mean?
1: Oh, Um, It was um, addressed by Xiao Wei in our last episode, and it means that um, two regimes who claim the same territory should not uh, be present at the same time.
0: Oh, Uh,
1: interesting. So for example, if someone says he is the president of the United States, someone else, someone different, he's right now the president of the United States, Mm. then it would be very weird for this person to be um, standing next to President Trump, right? Yeah. If both of them claim to be legitimate,
0: It's just like having too many cooks in the kitchen like when you have like for me like if my wife two and drivers my mom, in the same car yeah are in the kitchen together it's bad
1: yeah 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 interesting mm-hmm. so from that philosophy it it, it doesn't make sense Did for both president. sides
0: know that though I mean do you, like do you think they were both thinking about this
1: um, he said that they avoided calling each other president. They didn't say, hello, President Ma, hello, President Xi. They said, hello, or good morning, Mr. Ma and Mr. Xi. Was
0: that out of respect, out of fear? Out of?
1: Out of fear for controversy. Uh Right? He said that they wanted to avoid controversial conversations or consequences.
0: And the other thing that I've always tried to get out of Taiwanese that I haven't felt that I've been successful is how do we look outward? So there's all of these amazing. You
1: never asked me. (laughs) But okay. We need to talk about this one because like like
0: our last two guests, Mm -hmm. I don't feel that they're thinking about, hey, like there is this special thing in that it's a modern democracy, Uh modern as in really like the last 20, 30 years. Uh And I mean, I'm from a democracy that's 300 years, Uh right? And so like you have this new modern democracy and what the heck can the world learn from you, Mm. right? Like, I mean, there's so much that I feel, like there's so much gold here, so much really interesting things that need to be exported, need to be shared. And I mean, we've had two guests now that are political and it's pretty obvious that all of their thought I shouldn't say all, but ninety nine point nine 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 of their thought, percent of their thought, is like inward focused. Um, that's that's the way it comes off to me.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think most Taiwanese people tend to think that we need to learn from other people or we need to learn from other countries, but in fact, uh huh, but in fact, Taiwan has been very advanced in many different domains and then there are lessons learned that we can share with other people other countries so Mm -hmm. yeah
0: because even like even looking at COVID 19 Mm -hmm. and the lessons that taiwan is sharing now with the rest of the world Mm -hmm. to me at least i was like no that's not like that's not the interesting thing that's not really what happened and so just this this ability to explain the system and how it was created and what it does and explain it in a way that the rest of the world can adopt,
1: mm.
0: like, I feel like this is, I mean, they, they just have this hashtag Taiwan can help. Can, yeah. <laughs> help with what? <laughs> like, like, I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, no offense to the people that created Taiwan can help, but it's like. Oh, I
1: think the hashtag was created to initiate conversation and discussions. And curiosity and to arouse curiosity at first.
0: Yeah, from my perspective, it's like, doesn't arouse anything. (laughs) (laughs) I look at it and I'm like, come on. So
1: you know, Audrey Tang created
0: that. (laughs) I think she's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah, I
1: know. We should tag her. Yeah. And then (laughs) then let her know that it aroused nothing. Yeah. Well, like,
0: I mean, it should be just, hey, go get this tool, right? Oh,
1: downloadable. PDF yeah. here, yeah. downloadable apps here. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: yeah. I mean, like,
1: accessible resources right here.
0: Like, maybe maybe they expect like politicians to fly over and then Taiwan helps train them or something. But to me, it's like the people need the tools that Taiwan has, oh. and so just like Taiwan can help. It's like I mean, what, what is an American gonna ask? Hey, Taiwan, how are you gonna help? Uh-huh. Like, how can you help? Uh-huh. Like, I didn't even know like help with what? Okay. Yeah
1: yeah we should talk more about this in our next episodes and then before the guests come to our show we should let them know in pre-meetings that oh this is what we want our audience to know cool Mm -hmm.
0: sounds good yeah i had a bunch more questions but maybe we'll save those for another day yeah yeah
1: okay so stay tuned This podcast is brought to you by Bitmark and Girls in Tech Taiwan.
0: Bitmark uh, was founded from the belief that data is the next major asset class. And so what Bitmark does is create tools for individuals to gain control and access over their data and eventually unlock all kinds of new value in that data.
1: Girls in Tech Taiwan is the Taiwan chapter of a global nonprofit focused on the engagement, education and empowerment of influential women in technology and entrepreneurship.